Good morning, Graceway Church. We're so excited that you could join us on this Sunday morning. And I want to give a special shout out to our Graceway Nation. Graceway Nation is our extended family that's watching from all over the world, from Zambia to Zimbabwe to Botswana to the U.S. Thank you so much for being part of this family, for being part of this ministry. And 2020 is the year where you can evangelize with ease. It's never been easier to evangelize in 2020. And how you evangelize in 2020 is you share a link. Uh, You send a text message to a friend and say, hey friend, I'm watching, I'm at church right now, why don't you join me? You start a Facebook watch party with your friends so that the message can go out. It's never been easier to evangelize in 2020. And I want to encourage you to share this message, share our previous messages. Let's get the word out so that people who are far from God can come closer to him and live the abundant life that he has for all of us. So I want to challenge you, send that message out, send a text, put a Facebook status, make this a watch party, uh, send a text message over WhatsApp. You never know how your invitation could change the trajectory of someone's life. Let's get into today's word. Grab a Bible, grab a coffee, uh, grab a notepad, and let's get into the message. I'm reading from Luke 11, verse 1 to 4. Luke 11, verse 1 to 4. And this is what it says. It says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray. Would you just jump into the comment section and type that in? When you pray. He says, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. I want to speak from this, this title, The Secret to a Powerful Life. The Secret to a Powerful Life. Would you jump onto the comments section and type in the title of my message today, The Secret to a Powerful Life. It's interesting to note that this disciple, you know, had been walking with Jesus, had been uh, going on these ministry tours with Jesus. And it's interesting the question that he asked Jesus. He says, Jesus teaches how to pray. And that's interesting because this disciple had seen Jesus heal the blind and the sick. He had seen Jesus uh, feed 5,000. He had seen Jesus speak to a storm and tell it to be quiet. He had seen Jesus preach and speak to thousands and share the gospel so well. He had seen Jesus resurrect people from the dead. He had seen Jesus call out demons out of people. And the question that he asked is, teach us how to pray. He never asked, teach us how to feed 5,000. He never asked, Lord, teach us how to speak to storms so that they may calm down. He never asked, Lord, teach us how to resurrect people from the dead. He never asked, Lord, teach us how to speak to demons. He never asked, Lord, teach us how we can take three bread and two fishes and and start our own franchise. No, he asks, teach us how to pray. And the thing is, is that this disciple made a connection. He he made a connection between the power in Jesus' life and the amount of time he spent in prayer. 
He could see that there was a relationship because the Bible says every time Jesus would go away, sometimes he would go away at night and come back in the morning and go straight into his ministry and perform signs and wonders. This disciple had seen that there was a relationship between the amount of time Jesus prayed and the power in his ministry. And what you must understand is that prayer is a powerful habit that can change the trajectory of your life. And it's so interesting in the church world, we can talk so much about prayer, we can read about prayer, we can go to, we can go to conferences about prayer, but do we actually pray? Do we actually spend time praying? And in this scripture, Jesus is giving us a framework of how we should pray. But I think it's also important for us to define what prayer is and what prayer is not. I think it's also important for us to define why we pray and how we should pray. And today I want to help you understand the secret to a powerful life is found in prayer. The secret to a powerful life is found in prayer. But first let's define what prayer is not. And what you also need to understand is that we've all been created to want to pray. That's why you'll notice in, in every religion... There's this element of prayer, but the difference is who we pray to. My question to you today is maybe if you're not a person of faith, is who are you praying to? As Christians, as believers, we are praying to our Heavenly Father, the Creator of heaven and earth. But it's also important to recognize what prayer is not. And the first thing that prayer is not, prayer is not some magic wand where you wave uh, at something and then Jesus just answers your prayer or God just answers your prayer. Prayer is not that. You cannot wave a wand at your empty garage and then a, a C63 AMG Mercedes Benz is in there. That's not what happens in prayer. Prayer is not using um, special skills or saying the right words to get to God's ear. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is not some uh, magic genie that you can rub three times and then God will come out and answer your every wish. That's not what prayer is. In its simplest form, prayer is communication with God. That's all that prayer is. Prayer is communication with God. And let me say this to you, the currency of any relationship is communication. The currency of any relationship that you're in is communication. It's in communication that you grow to know someone. It's in communication that you show love and care. I remember when I was dating my wife, I would text her, I would message her, I would send voice notes, I would send BBMs. Just a side note to the brothers, if she doesn't know what BBM is, she might be too young for you, okay? I'm just saying it, all right? So that's what I would do to try and communicate with her, to try and get to know her more, I would extend my hand to try and communicate and should communicate back and that's what made the basis of our relationship and that's what has grown our relationship to what it is today. The currency of any relationship is communication. So we've defined what prayer is not and what we define what prayer is. Prayer is simply communication with God. We've all been designed to pray but Jesus here gives us a framework of how to pray. And now what I want to define is why we pray. I believe there are three things, three reasons of why we pray. The first reason of why we pray, we pray to, ex to express our trust in God as our Father. 
We pray to express our trust in God as our Heavenly Father. That's the first reason of why we pray. We express our trust in God as our Father. And it's interesting what Jesus says here in Luke 11 verse 13. He says, when you pray, say, Father. When you pray, say, Father. What Jesus is saying here is that when we, as we approach prayer, we need to um, humble ourselves and come as children to our Heavenly Father. We need to take the position of a child and pray to our Heavenly Father who we trust. And maybe you haven't had such a great relationship with your father, your earthly father. Maybe your earthly father has hurt you in some way or form. And so you find it very difficult to connect to this concept of having a heavenly father. But let me tell you this, your heavenly, even though your earthly father may have hurt you, your, your heavenly father loves you. He has good plans for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope and a future. Your heavenly father is a good father. He's a father who cares about you. And he wants the best for you. And the great thing about our heavenly father is that he already knows what we need before we ask. Matthew 6 verse 8 says, Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. The father already knows what you need before you ask. I remember when, when, I, when I was in high school playing basketball, I've told you guys that all I wanted to be in life was a basketball player like Michael Jordan. I want to play in the NBA, make a lot of money, and, and build schools in Africa. Like That was my dream, right? And it didn't happen. Uh, but I love playing basketball, and I still do today. And in high school, uh, when you wore a pair of Jordans on the court, you were recognized as a real baller, right? You were recognized as like as a top dog. Even if you're like your playing game was like at a level zero out of 10, when you put on a pair of J's, a pair of Jordans, that's what we call them on the streets, uh, you went from a zero to a seven out of 10. So having a pair of Jordans was like essential to the basketball culture, right? Uh, and so, a game was coming up, right? And um, my shoes, I didn't have J's at the time, so I was just, you know, I was an average player according to the classification of the street court or the rules of basketball. So we had a big game coming up, and I just thought to myself, like, hey, man, I need a pair of shoes. It would be great if my parents got me a pair of J's. Lo and behold, on game day, I'm at the game, and my mom brings me this box. She's like, hey, I got you some shoes. Open the box. It's a pair of Jordans. I was ecstatic. I was so excited. I think I played my best game even though we lost. But uh, the thing about it is that my, my parents, my father and mother, already knew what I needed before I asked them. And that's God the Father. He already knows what you need even before we ask. Matthew 6 verse 8 says, He knows what you need even before you ask. And the thing about Father, of, being a, of God being our Heavenly Father, is sometimes... He doesn't give us everything we ask for, right? And I'm pretty sure you've experienced this in your earthly relationships with your father and mother. You will ask your father and mother for something and they don't give it to you. That doesn't mean that your, heavenly, uh, your earthly parents don't love you. It just means that they know what's best for you. That they have your best interest at heart. 
I would come up to my dad and be like, hey, dad, listen, I want to go to a social gathering on a Friday between 7 and 10, a.k.a. party. <laughs> I'd call it a social gathering. It's how you brand it, guys, okay? It's how you brand the situation. So I'd be like, hey, dad, I want to go to the social gathering uh, between 7 and 9 on a Friday. And then you say, oh, that's a party. It's like, no, it's more of a social gathering, more of chilling, you know? And um, I'd explain, uh, and I would come to him, ready to go out, be like, dad, you know, I'm ready to go. And he's like, where are you going? I'm like, go to a party. He's like, a social gathering, uh, excuse me. And uh, he's like, no, you can't go there. And I'd be so upset. I'd be like, Dad, come on. You, come on. Nothing's going to happen to me. I'm a good child. Dad, you know, I, I, I'm not going to do anything. And then he would say no, and I'd go to my room, and I'd just like march in my room, like go around in circles, and be like, you're cramping my style. I wouldn't tell him this. I'm just telling this to myself in the room. You're cramping my style. And the thing about it is that my father knew what was best for me. Even though I felt like this party or this social gathering is good for my social credibility, my father knew that he didn't want to put me in environments, right, where something could happen to me. And what I needed to do was trust in his character, not in what he was withholding from me. I needed to trust in my father's character, trust that he has my best interests at heart, trust and know that he's protecting me for something, even though he's withholding it from me. And just because my father didn't allow me to go to this party did not mean that he was a bad father. So just because God doesn't answer your prayers doesn't mean that he is a bad father to you. It just means that you need to trust in his character. You need to know that he's Jehovah Jireh, your provider. You need to know that he's Jehovah Nisi, your banner. Jehovah Rapha, the God who is your healer. Trust in his character, not in the gifts that he gives. Trust in the character of God, your heavenly father. And that doesn't mean we should not ask. The Bible is very clear in Luke 11 verse 9. It says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. It's important to ask. I'm not saying don't ask. I'm saying trust in God regardless of the outcome. Trust that he has your best interest at heart. Trust in his character. Now, we've elaborated that why we praise we pray to express our trust in God. We pray to express that we trust God by focusing on his character, right? And I think it's important to know that God also sits outside of time. And he knows exactly what we need, when we need it. Isaiah 55 verse 8 to 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I think this is a brilliant scripture because it brings perspective when we pray. It brings perspective when we pray. So why we pray is to express our trust in God as our Heavenly Father. But I think a lot of the time when we pray, what happens is we pray, and let's say this is the prayer request. We're like, God... I'm asking you for a job. So this is the prayer request. And we're like, God, I need this job. And God, I trust that you're Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And, and so, God, would you give me this job? But instead of giving it to God, 
we keep it in our hands. And then we go off and live life, and we wonder, God, like, where is that job I've been asking for? And we take matters into our own hands and into our own control instead of releasing it into God's hand. The Bible says, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. Casting meaning, let it go. Let it go. I think I need to tell someone, you need to let it go and leave it up to God. When we pray, we should let it go and trust that God will provide. Growing up, you never, you never came to your mom and dad and said, hey mom, is there going to be food on the table. You just trusted that they would provide. And in the same way, you never, you never held on to be like, oh, is there going to be food or things like that? But you just trusted. You just knew that your parents would provide. And that's the same with God. We need to let go of what we're trying to control and trust in God. And my question to you today is, who is in control of your prayers? Is it you? Are you holding on to the things that you're asking God for? Or is it in God's hand? Have you released control and given it to your heavenly father? Have you trusted in him with what you're asking him for? I think also when it comes to prayers that we can get so focused on praying for the promise. We're like, God, I'm believing you for this thing. And we hold on and we keep focusing every time we come to pray to God. We, we're always focused on the same thing. And what happens is that we miss out on seeing the character of our Heavenly Father. We miss out on seeing who He is, that He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. We miss out on experiencing His presence. If I always came to my wife and, and I just focused on what she could, what I could get from her, I would miss out on seeing who she was who she is, that she is kind, that she's generous, generous, that she's merciful. And that's what happens when we, when we stay so focused on the concern. We lose sight of our Heavenly Father. And I want to say this to you so clearly. Prayer is not about getting something from God. Prayer is about God getting something into you. It's about Him getting His love into you. Him getting more of His goodness into you. Him getting more of His uh, affection and love into you. Prayer is not about what you can get from God. It's about what God can get into you. And that's more of Him. That's more of Him. So we've defined that prayer is to express our trust in God. I also think it's, it's important to know how to pray from this place. Once we've established that we should trust God as our Heavenly Father, we need to come uh, to Him as, as children with childlike faith, know that He's a good Father who has good intentions for us. How do we pray from this place? And I love what Jesus says in Luke 11 verse 1 to 4, he says, when you pray, say, Father. So yes, say, Father, express your trust in God. Then the second thing he says, say, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. The word hallowed in the Greek means holy and sacred. Holy and sacred. And this prayer is called the prayer of adoration. Now, the prayer of adoration simply means that we are to exalt God for who He is. We are to esteem Him. We are to bless Him. We are to honor the Lord. And how you pray the prayer of adoration is focusing on God's character. 
Focusing on His holiness, His goodness, His love, His mercy, His power, His grace, and His dominion. That's the prayer of adoration. And I've learned that when I pray the prayer of adoration, it instantly opens up the presence of God. As I begin to focus not on my prayer requests, but more on God's faithfulness, more on His character, more on His goodness, more on His love, His power, His grace, the presence of God just comes into the room. I'm fit, I feel the presence of God and instantly... I forget about the prayer request. It's as if God already knows the desires of my heart and I don't need to tell him, but I've just been adoring him and praising him for who he is, not what he can give me. That's the prayer of adoration. The prayer of adoration is when you focus on the character of God. Focusing on the character of God. So the first reason of why we pray, we pray to express our trust in God as our Heavenly Father. How we pray from this position is the prayer of adoration. The prayer of adoration is simply focusing on the character of God, blessing and honoring God for who He is, not what He can give you. The second reason of why we pray, we pray to grow our relationship with God. Simply put, we pray to grow our relationship with God. And remember I mentioned at the beginning, prayer, all prayer is, is communication with God. And the currency of any relationship is communication. I mentioned to you that I was texting my wife, I would, uh, you know, call her all the time just to keep the communication going. And even now as we're married, we're communicating even more than ever. And when I go on trips, I text her, I call her just to make sure that I'm still connected to her. And I want to say this to you, communication builds three things. Communication, I've learned in my life, communication builds three things. One, it builds intimacy, which is connection. That's the first thing that communication does. It builds intimacy, which is connection. The second thing that it builds is community, which is belonging, right? It builds intimacy, which is connection, community, which is belonging. And the third thing that communication does, it builds security and safety. Three things that communication does, it builds intimacy, this feeling of connection with someone. It builds community, meaning I belong, I belong, I'm part of a family. It builds security, knowing that it's stable and safe, I'm safe here. And Have you realized every time you haven't spoken to like a close friend of yours or a close family member, uh, you often say you feel far or they feel far, right? And it's just because you haven't communicated with them in a long while. And you know, as a result of a lack of communication, it also brings assumptions, right? So because you're not connecting and communicating with this person, and you're not connected to them, and there's no community, you don't feel safe, and then you begin to assume, does this person really love me? Does this person really care for me? Does this person have my best interests at heart? And as a result, you begin to drift further and further away. And that's happened. That, that, that's what happens when we don't pray with our Heavenly Father, when we don't have constant communication with Him, we lose the sense of connection, the sense of intimacy, we lose the sense of belonging. 
that He's our Father. We lose the sense of security. We don't feel like He loves us. We don't feel like, we feel like He might be distanced from us. And let me tell you this thing about your Heavenly Father. He's always available. 24-7, 365, even though there's 7 billion people on this planet, He's always available for you to come to Him. His hands are wide open, wanting to embrace you. All you need to do is call Him. Is communicate with Him. Communication builds connection. It builds community. It builds a sense of safety. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17, it says, Pray without ceasing. Meaning, don't stop praying. Never stop communicating. In the same way that you never stop communicating with your friends, right? You should never stop communicating with God. You should never stop calling Him, spending time with Him. Because you know what communication builds? It builds a sense of intimacy, a sense of community, a sense of safety. And the interesting thing is, is that it's only in a place where there is connection, where there's intimacy, where I I feel like I belong, where, where there's a place of safety that I can be vulnerable with people. That's why when, you know, when things go wrong, we all have that one friend, like we know, like for certain, that I will pick up the phone if I am in jail. I will call this person be like, hey, I need you to bail me out now. That person for me is my wife. I know if I get into trouble, she's the first person I'll call. Why? Because there is a connection, there is community, there is safety, and so I can be vulnerable in asking for help. We all have that friend where when things hit the ground, you know you're going to call on them, but it's because you have a connection that you can be vulnerable to ask for help. And, and that's why I love this. Um, that's, that's why in this place we can pray the prayer of supplication. So we've understood that the second, the second reason of why we pray is we pray to grow our relationship. And how we pray is the prayer of supplication. And it's only in vulnerability that you can pray this prayer. And the prayer of supplication, all it means is to make a request. Supplication is an old-fashioned word for request. It comes from the Latin word supplicare, which means to plead humbly. The prayer of supplication, excuse me, is to make a request humbly. That's all that it is. The prayer of supplication is to make a request humbly. And the prayer of supplication requires that we humble ourselves because the Bible says that God opposes the proud, but He shows favor to the humble. That's why Philippians 4 verse 6 to 9 says the following. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. There it is. By prayer and making a request with humility, with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God promises peace through prayer. He promises that He will be with us when we pray. But how we pray when we're growing our relationship with God, it's the prayer of supplication. The prayer of supplication is simply making a request, humbly making a request. 
Humility is crucial to answered prayers. I've mentioned this. And I love what Jesus says in Luke 11 verse 3. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. Prayer of adoration. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. The three things that we can learn from the prayer of supplication. Is one is that we can humbly request God to meet our daily needs. Jesus says, give us each day our daily bread, making the request humbly. Give us, Lord, each day our daily bread. Lord, help us meet our needs. The second thing that we can learn from the scripture, from what Jesus is saying, from this framework of how to pray, through the prayer of supplication, is that we can ask God to forgive us as we forgive those that have hurt us. And the Bible is so clear, my friend, about unforgiveness. Matthew 6.15 says, But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Unforgiveness can hinder your prayers. Jesus said in Mark 11 verse 25, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Now I ask you today, is there someone you're bitter towards right now? Is there someone uh, that has hurt you and that you've carried this unforgiveness and this anger? Is there someone that you're trying to get even with right now, even as I speak, that person's name has come to your head? Is there someone uh, that you haven't let go and said, I'm sorry to? Do you carry the weight of unforgiveness in your heart? Unforgiveness is costing you something. It's costing you peace. And it may be costing you your prayers, as we've read in the Bible. So listen, they may have done a horrible thing to you. I'm not excusing what they did, did to you, but you need to understand that you need to let go and forgive them. You need to understand that you're not forgiving them for their sake. You're forgiving them for your sake. And some, something about forgiveness is that when you forgive someone, you set a prisoner free and that prisoner is you. When you let go and forgive and ask the Holy Spirit to help you, the prisoner that you're setting free is not the person that has hurt you. It is you. And I want to encourage you, just do it. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to forgive this person. And I, I'm not forsaking what has gone on in your life. I'm not for, forsaking the hurt. I'm just saying that it may be time that you let go of that burden because it's holding you from the fullness of life that God has promised us. And the third thing that the prayer of supplication teaches us is that we can humbly ask God for divine restraint against temptation. We can humbly ask God for divine restraint against temptation. Why we pray? We pray to grow our relationship with God. How do we pray? We pray the prayer of supplication. The prayer of supplication is humbly making your requests to your Heavenly Father. The third reason of why we pray, we pray to participate in God's work. The third reason of why we pray, we pray to participate in God's work. Luke 11 verse 4 says, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. In Matthew 6 verse 9 to 13 it says, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
What you need to understand when God says your kingdom come, it means the king's dominion. And he's saying, may the king's dominion broaden and become increasingly established throughout the world in the here and now. And what you need to understand that God's strategy for expanding his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven is through his people. We are his strategy. We are to extend God's kingdom here on earth. And he he says, your will be done. What is God's will? God's will is his word. Very simple. God's will is his word. So what he's saying is that we are to expand his kingdom through his word. My question to you today is, have you been praying, may God's will be done in your life, which is God's word? Or have you been praying, may your will be done? May God approve your plans. May God approve your ideas. May God approve your desires. God's will is his word. And and what you need to do, you might be asking, Seth, how do I pray God's will? You pray his word. That's simple. How you pray God's will into your life is that you pray His word. And I want to give you some examples of how you can pray God's will in your life. If if you need healing, you pray Isaiah 53 verse 5. It says, by His stripes you are healed. If you are in need of anything financially, you pray Philippians 4 verse 19. It says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. If you need peace, you pray John 14 verse 27. And it says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives to you, but as I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. God's will is God's word. If you want more of God's will in your life, you pray more of God's word in your life. There's hundreds of promises in his word that are for you. We must understand that it's not that God can't work without our prayers. It's not that God can't work without our prayers, but he has established prayer as part of his plan for for accomplishing his will here on earth. It's not that God can't work without our prayers, but he has established prayer as his plan in establishing his will here on earth. And we've now understood how, why we pray is to participate in God's work. And how we pray is the prayer of intercession. The prayer of intercession. And the definition of intercession is the action of intervening on behalf of another, standing in the gap. The prayer of intercession is to stand in the gap. How we participate in God's work is standing in the gap through the prayer of intercession. The basic function of the prayer of intercession is to stand in the gap. Standing in the gap for your family, for the lost souls in the world for your neighbor, for your nation, for your community, for your business, for your university, to see the power of God come through. And there are many examples of people who stood in the gap. People who stood in the gap for a family member in the Bible. And through them standing in the gap, God healed that family member. 
People who stood in the gap for their nation. One such example is Elijah in James 5 verse 17. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. Because Elijah stood in the gap for his nation, it rained. It rained. Another example is Daniel. Daniel stood in the gap for the freedom of a, of a nation. Daniel, we know him from Daniel in the, in the lion's den from Sunday school. He stood in the gap for the freedom of a nation. See, what happened was Daniel discovered through God's word that the, the Israelites or the people of Israel would be in captivity as slaves in Babylon for 70 years. And that uh, they were supposed to go back to their home, which was Jerusalem. But at that stage of the game, it had already been desolate. So 70 years had come and gone. And Israel was still in slavery. And Jerusalem was still desolate. So what does Daniel do? I love what Daniel does. I love what it says in Daniel 9 verse 3. He realizes that the people should be out of slavery. It's past the expiration date. 70 years has come and still they're not in freedom. So what does he do? It says in Daniel 9 verse 3, then it says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth. Daniel could have been easy, could have been, Hey, it is what it is. Could have been like, hey, it is what it is. Those guys can just suffer. I need to, I need to relax. I ain't got time for that. But what does Daniel do? He stood in the gap for our nation. He decides that he's going to pray and fast for three weeks. That's how the Daniel fast came to being. So he makes a decision to fast and pray for God to bring a solution. God is the one that prophesied that Israel would be in Babylon for 70 years right? God didn't act. God didn't move. He didn't change the situation. But what he did do was raise Daniel to pray and stand in the gap for the solution to come to pass. God raises up a man named Daniel to stand in the gap for a nation, to pray for a solution. And Daniel understood that Israel had sinned. He understood that God was showing the wrath because Israel had sinned. So what does he do? He pleads for mercy. He asks God to please forgive them. One man stood in the gap for an entire nation. He intercedes for three weeks, prayer and fasting. And fasting is another topic we can discuss at a later stage. But as he prays and fasts, an angel of the Lord comes to him and gives him a plan of how God will remove the it will bring Israel into freedom. If it wasn't for Daniel interceding for the people of Israel, they would still be in captivity today. They would still be in slavery. And what I, ask, what I want to ask you today is what would happen if you prayed the prayer of intercession for your family member who needs to find Jesus? What if you prayed the prayer of intercession and, and stood in the gap for your business to not succumb to COVID-19 but to prevail and flourish so that you'll be able to bring people out of poverty and establish God's kingdom here on earth by dealing with integrity in your business. What would happen 
if you stood in the gap for your nation, for your generation, for your family members to see the love of Christ, what would happen if we humbled ourselves and prayed like 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We've all been called to stand in the gap for something or someone. I think as I was speaking today, right now, God has put someone in your heart. God has put a situation in your heart. And I want to challenge you how we participate in God's work, in the establishment of His kingdom here on earth, in the will of God, which is the word of God, is by the prayer of intercession. What gap has God asked you to stand in? That you've, that you've kind of been ignoring, be like, ah, God will sort it out. Ah, that thing, God will sort it out. My business, God will sort it out. Maybe God is asking you to stand in the gap, to pray the prayer of intercession for our leaders in this country, to pray the prayer of intercession for the leaders in your company, to pray the prayer of intercession for your family, for your friends, for your colleagues, to see God move in their lives. And I want to say this to you today. Prayer doesn't change some things. Prayer changes everything. Prayer doesn't change some things. Prayer changes everything. And I need to tell you this. Uh, the devil, he gets scared when you pray. He knows that you're dangerous when you pray. And that's why he distracts you with nonsense during the week so you feel like, I don't have time to pray. And what I need you to understand is that when you begin to pray, things begin to happen. And remember, it's not about getting things from God. It's about God getting something into you. And that something could be a burden for your nation to pray and intercede and stand in the gap. Pray without ceasing. My question to you today is, will you stand in the gap? for what God has put on your heart? Will you stand in the gap for your father who does not know Jesus? Will you stand in the gap for your mother who does not know Jesus? Will you stand in the gap for your friends who do not know Jesus? So that they may come to know Jesus and experience the full life, the abundant life that Jesus talks about. That they may know that they, that they have a place in eternity. Will you stand in the gap? Ezekiel 22 verse 30 asks the same question. It said, and God is saying this, And I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. But I found none. And it says, Therefore, I have poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. I have returned their way upon their heads, declares the Lord God. May we not be a people that is not found standing in the gap for our land, for our nation, for our family. How, how we participate in God's work is through the prayer of intercession. Through the prayer of intercession, that's how we participate in God's work. And the prayer of intercession is standing the gap and praying and pleading to God to change a situation. And we all have an opportunity to do that.
God is looking for men, women, young men, young women to stand in their gap for their schools, for their community, for their friends, for their family, for this nation itself, for a generation. Will you participate in God's work? Will you stand in the gap? And I want to, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to pray for people today. Father God, thank you so much for your word that is, that is sharper than any two-double-edged sword that cuts through bone and marrow and goes straight to our heart. God, we've all been convicted. I too have been convicted in preparation of this message to step up in my prayer life. I ask you, Lord, that now as we know that the reason we pray is to express our trust in God and how we do that is through the prayer of adoration, that we would do that on a daily basis. The second reason, God, I pray that we would know why we pray is to grow and deepen our relationship with you. And it's not to get something from you, but it's for you to get something into us. And that's more of your presence, more of your love more of your goodness and how we pray from this place of growing our relationship with you is the prayer of supplication and the third way of why we pray God is to participate in your work here on earth and how we pray is through the prayer of intercession by standing in the gap and Lord I pray for anyone today who needs to forgive someone I pray in the name of Jesus that they would forgive that person today for any of us who need to let go of things that we've carried for a long time, God. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us. And Lord, I ask that we would begin to stand in the gap. We would stand in the gap through the prayer of intercession for our nation, for our families, for our communities, Lord, for our businesses, to see the power of God manifested through all of those things, Lord. We ask these things in your name. And maybe today, I wanna to give you an opportunity Maybe you had a, a really bad relationship with your father. I want to invite you to step into the life uh, that, that Jesus defines as the life of abundance. The full life, the John 10, 10 life. The Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And maybe today is the day you need to get that decision, make that decision to one, either rededicate your life to God or commit your life to God. And I want to help you make that decision. All you need to do is say this, say it after me, repeat after me, Father, I have sinned. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are the one true God. I believe that Jesus died and rose again for my sins. I ask you to please forgive me and I accept you to come into my heart. Amen. If you made that prayer today, we're so excited for you because heaven says that heaven is rejoicing because a child of God has been adopted into the family, that you've joined the family of God. And what we want to do is connect with you. So would you text the number below? It's a WhatsApp number. And we're going to connect with you during this week so that we can get you connected to a community, a family where you can build your relationship, grow your relationship with God, connect with other people that are on this journey and become more like Jesus in an ama in amazing way. So text the number below and let's get you connected to a local church and a local community. Until next week, may God bless you. And remember, the secret to powerful life is found in prayer.